They call me the Donald, because it's gonna be huge. Wait, how do I, can I take filters off? I cannot have this the whole time. Guys, I'm telling you right now, the Bobby For Real podcast is the best podcast in the world, okay? We're better than anybody else, especially China, okay? Uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make the greatest podcast of all time. We're gonna put it on Instagram Live. No one else does it on Instagram Live. Whoa, what's up, Mark? I gotta take this off. I look like I'm from the Jersey Shore right now. I am not this day. <laughs> you guys fall for this? You guys think I'll be hitting the beach? What's good, everybody? Sunday night. What is this? This is only Bobby for real, an Instagram Live podcast coming to you every single Sunday and Wednesday where we talk to the world's most interesting people or people that I just think is interesting. Bro, you guys like the shirt? I got like the Bruce Lee Tiger inspiration. What you know about that? I'll unbutton this and I'll have the three claws down the chest. Thank you guys. Man, people are really digging this shirt. That's what I'm saying. I got the conch shell per usual. That would have uh, synced up well with the tan. Guys, we have a very special episode tonight. Um, we'll get right into it. We have the one, the only, Dave Williamson, comedian, water polo coach, barbecue aficionado. Uh, I met him at one of the shows I was doing out in Manhattan Beach. Shout out Dano, if he's still in here. Uh, for putting me on. This guy has uh, toured the country, maybe even the globe, doing comedy with the likes of Burt Kreischer. Um, so, you know, you already know what energy is kind of coming with this. Uh, definitely my type of vibe for sure. Uh, what's better than comedy and barbecue? I don't know. Uh, so that just perfectly sums up the type of man this guy is. And yeah, I just want to dig his, dig into his brain, talk more life, talk more comedy. Hope you guys are doing well as usual. Uh, if you guys want to donate, I got the badges turned on. Uh, turn on the badges. We'll see it. Uh, anyone who buys a badge gets priority on questions. I will leave them a personalized message in the DMs. I'll slide in those DMs. Right, Monster? And uh, also, uh, you'll be in consideration for when we do another fans episode as someone that I bring on. All right. Let's see if uh, Dave has joined in yet. Um, I believe he's inside. I believe he's requested. So without further ado, we're going to get into it, you guys. Thank you for coming into this Sunday. Um, the one, the only, Dave Williamson, you guys, joining us. Give me, give me, clap those virtual hands. Hey. Here I am. What's up, man? How you doing? We made it. Everything's cool, bro. Everything's cool. Thanks for having me on. Dude, it's a, it's a, it's a true honor to have you, sir. Of course, man. Back in one of the brewskis, I just took a shot of uh, the good old Captain Morgan, so I'm feeling nice, loose, and limber. I'm definitely loving that shirt, man. That <laughs> shirt, that shirt is my vibe all the way. That's what I'm saying. My new jam is a uh, Nordstrom Rack. I don't even want to say it out loud because I don't want people to start uh, flooding Nordstrom Rack, but because they sell a lot of brands that have like Hawaiian shirts, but they're kind of like not big blousey like fat guy Hawaiian shirts. They're kind of like like dad bod Hawaiian shirts where they like fit you tight up here and then kind of like, you know, uh, uh, thick enough in the bottom, but not so thick that you look like a bell, you know? Exactly. You're totally right. And they got that, the really good shoulder action. It's funny that you mentioned that because I picked this bad up, this bad boy up from the rack itself. The oh, uh, I'm going to have to go tomorrow then and see if I can find that one. <laughs> That's we'll a be, good eye right there. We'll be Twinkies. Screaming lions on there. <laughs> Tell me about the backdrop you have right now. Are you out uh, doing some barbecuing? I'm in my front yard. I don't have anything on the smoker or the grill tonight, but that's my uh, that's my smoker area over here. Let me wow. see if I can give you a little bit. 
So that's my big boy over there. That's a 900-pound uh, gravity-fed smoker from a company in Georgia called Assassin. That's my uh, Rectech 1250, just released to the public last week. Uh, I got it a few months ago. They sent it to me to beta test it. So okay. you, you wouldn't believe, like, what barbecue junkies there are out there because, um, you know, it, it's the, the, the bottom rack is 700 square inches, which used to be the only thing you could get. So it was the RT700, but this one's got a second 550 square inches on the top. So now they call it an RT1250. And when I was posting pictures on Instagram – these guys were like, hey, man, how'd you get a second rack in your 700? And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, people are going to figure it out if I keep posting. So uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I could, like, talk. It's like so – it's so silly. It's like something, like, um, people would probably talk about, like, in the gaming world or, like, hey, when's it going to release or when's this secret coming out, <laughs> you know? So in the barbecue world, it's the guys, like, with a keen eye being like, hey, man, why, why is your smoker <laughs> have that, that modification? And I'm like, oh, man, it's not released to the public yet. I got to be careful, you know? I was I was camping outside the Bass Pro Shop for weeks waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, right. Like like the new iPhones and stuff yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> that's crazy. What goes into the beta testing a, a new smoker? You just throwing on any types of meats you can get on that bad boy? Or yeah, man. Are you wanna... sending in documents of research? You know, I, I just I've just uh, become uh, friends and and uh, uh, with with the company that that makes it. It's a really great company called Rectech and. So they just wanted me to cook with it for a few months and let me know if there's anything I noticed or, you know, anything I, I thought that, that needed to be tweaked before it went went live to public, you know? Wow, that's awesome. What, what, what makes it for a good smoker? I've dabbled a little bit. Me and my dad used to have one. We had some fun. But what, what's your what's your uh, top qualities in this smoking for some good meats? Well, I mean, the number one thing always is if it holds temp, right? So whether it's a <laughs> stick burner, like my big one I showed you over here, that you have to actually throw – logs in or chunks and and fuel it with charcoal and and live fire and, and watch it all night long or a pellet smoker like this one which is a little bit more um automated where you know you it's got the technology where you uh set the, the temperature and then the auger feeds the right amount of pellets in you know wow. uh, but no matter what you're using the most important thing is that it actually holds temperature you know you don't want to think you're cooking at 225 degrees and you take a nap for an hour and you wake up and the thing's at 300 degrees burning your food you know you want to be able to to keep it uh, and then surface area is good too man because that going from that you know the the bottom rack to two racks now i could put four more racks of ribs in there i could do Dang. you know a, a lot more food with the same cook you know yeah for sure that's awesome you know the man knows his meat so that's an important <laughs> quality and i feel like the more you learn about meat and cooking meat as a man the more manly you get that's why i've been trying to do more research <laughs> I've been yeah, man. More, the more ribs i've uh i've slow cooked i've been getting more chest hairs it, 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 there's in comedy or barbecue or anything that you really care about, there's no substitute for actual doing it. You know, yeah. like there's, you could take classes and either thing you could, you know, pick people's brain, but the actual flight time is, is what gets you there. And I only really leaned into, I've always like been into like cooking steaks and burgers and like yeah. really, really cared about like, you know, uh, at least knowing how to man a grill, but uh, the whole, uh, you know, Texas style barbecue thing, I only got into about six years ago. But I, like, went hard. I got, like, really into it and uh, started, like, you know, four or five times a week. I'm out here in my front yard cooking. And my wife's like, how are we going to eat this much barbecue? I'm like, I'll give it away to the neighbors. I'm like, I just, <laughs> I'm just, awesome. I'm practicing, you know. I just, like, I got to do it to practice. I think you got, like, a sort of, like, a pop-up shop situation maybe coming up on your hands, you know. <laughs> I, I've, I've dabbled a little bit. You know, I got, like, a pretty good. So, so this is uh, the wall here to my neighborhood. Oh, so it's, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty perfect. People walk. 
people walk up and can uh, can buy barbecue over the wall. So I've done that a few times in my neighborhood where I, I cook a ton of meat. I throw it up on the Facebook page and I just say, pay what you want. And then That's some cool. people, you know, if they're, if they're uh, having hard times and they can just come drop five bucks and then other people drop 50 bucks, you know, and they're like, yeah. hey, man. Uh, this was worth it. We've been waiting for you to do another event, and it all evens out at the end, you know? For sure. That's awesome. Especially during COVID times, they basically put the, the restaurants in the streets anyway, so what's really yeah. the difference between that and now? I did that for my birthday. Uh, my birthday is May 31st, so by then, you know, we'd all been shut down for about three months. I think it's right when everyone was starting to get the itch of like, oh, man, I'm dying to see people, and people, mental health was starting to fade a little bit for a lot of people, I think, at that point, you know? So... I felt blessed because I got to go out with Bert and work the drive-in movie theaters. So, you know, I, I had been, I had, I had, my mental health was great at the time because I was out working and hanging out with my buds and having a great time in a safe manner. And yeah. so, so I felt bad. So what I did for my birthday was uh, I just, I filled up every one of my smokers with meat and I just went, Hey, tomorrow I'm cooking meat, come to my house between noon to five and get yourself a plate. If you need a friend, if you need a, a, a beer, if you need someone to talk to, you know, and, Everyone was at different levels of comfort at the time, you know? So I just did it all in my front yard. People could just hang out on the sidewalk and not come near people at all if they didn't want to. They could come inside and, you know, wear a mask if they wanted to. So it, it was it was a really cool event. Uh, that's the cool thing about barbecue, man. Barbecue is just like barbecue and comedy, man. Like it's, it's something that we do that's a passion and we enjoy it, but it's something that we can bring joy to other people with. And, you know, that, that really fuels me. It's amazing. You're bringing uh, a divided nation together with good meat and good laughs. There's no other Boy, way to do it, I feel like. I'm trying, man. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, tell me about the uh, – so tell me about touring with Bert. That's got to be uh, quite the wild ride. Uh, you guys are doing a lot of outside shows, you were saying. How was it doing the, the drive-in comedy shows as opposed to, um, you know, more like in the clubs? And then you have any, like, crazy road stories, I'm sure. I'd love to hear them. Oh, yeah, man. It, it was uh, so crazy. Like, so, you know, I was lucky enough that um, – uh, you know, I was I was doing Bert's uh, theater tour with him and, um, you know, just very, very lucky to, to have that opportunity. And then uh, and then we had a ton of dates booked up and they all got canceled, you know, at that point in March. And so we sat sat around for a month or, or a month or two. And then Bert was like, let's try to do, you know, drive in movie theaters. And he talked to his agents and managers about it and they put together four, four cities. So we, we went out and we did four cities to kind of test the waters. And at the end of it, we all looked at each other and we're like, what'd you guys think? And I was like, I thought it was great. And, <laughs> and, and Bert was like, I thought it was great too. And everyone was on. Like, so then Bert told his crew, like, fire it up. And we, we ended up doing like, by the end of the whole pan, like, you know, all the touring through the pandemic, I think we ended up doing like maybe 50 of them. You know, yeah. we just, we just kept going out. We did like three different legs of the tour. It was, it was really incredible, man. That's so cool. And so, yeah, the coolest part, a lot of people coolest... are worried about, like, if it would maybe get, get rusty for the stand-up, like, during COVID. But I think a lot of – especially the pro, like, pro, more pro comedians got to uh, take advantage of, like, new nuanced sort of ways to, like, perform and stuff. Oh, no doubt. I mean, if you had told me a few years ago that, you know, uh, without even saying anything about the pandemic, just saying outdoor comedy in general was so taboo. And yeah. now, now we kind of are, like, used to it. And it's, like, something kind of cool about it, like, being outside and – you know, uh, it's just the vibe, you know, yeah. uh, it, it's kind of fun, but you know, the drive-ins are, are a whole nother story because the, the front row is not very close to you. Everyone, some cities, people had to stay in their cars. Yeah. Um, so we just had to figure out like, 
put all the, the SUVs and the pickup trucks in the front yard so they could sit in the bed of their truck or open the back so we could at least hear some laughter from the front row. Sure. And then that's where we base our timing on. And then the people that are further back and were listening on the radio or stayed in their car or maybe they just didn't feel comfortable even being out of their car at the time is um, they, uh, they, they, you know, so they could choose, you know, hey, I feel comfortable only sitting in my car or some other people felt more comfortable, like going to the beer shack and getting a beer and sitting in their lawn chair outside their car. So either way, man, uh, people were just thanking us so much, man. People were like, yeah. dude, I needed to get out of my house. Thank you for, for going out and doing this. And um, even the, the production people were just thanking Bert, like, Bert, you put us to work. We haven't had work, you know, in, in months. And thank cool. you. So it was really cool, man. I feel blessed that I got to be a part of that, man. Yeah. Well, it definitely, like, being able to go out and experience that stuff as it happened was such a, like, a big deal that we didn't realize. Because, you know, they were doing the Zoom comedy shows or even, like, you know, people were streaming movies at home. But, like, until you just go out and you actually physically go do that kind of stuff again, you really realize how much you take it for granted. And oh. you realize, like, how – you feel like it's sufficient enough when you're kind of just doing everything online, but there's nothing like that real experience and just kind of getting out and doing something like that. Dude, totally, man. I just went and did a uh, two month tour. Uh, I knew I was getting my vaccine. Right. So I was yeah. like, so thanks to water polo being a, uh, a water polo coaches in California apparently are uh, essential educators. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I got a letter saying I was going to be eligible for the vaccine for early yeah. years. So then I was like, man, I'm gonna get this vaccine. And then I'm gonna be just sitting on, I didn't have anything on the calendar till August. So I, uh, I put together a two month tour, uh, playing into, you know, my fan, fan base a little bit. And Me uh, tour, right? yeah, I went out and I did two yeah. months of comedy and barbecue restaurants and, you know, uh, kind of hitting on what you were just talking about. What I noticed was that the fans were just so grateful to, to go out. Well, they're grateful during the pandemic, but they were like, um, they weren't taking it for granted, you know? Like, it didn't matter if it was a small show with 20 people in a barbecue restaurant or one of the bigger shows, or maybe they were a little bit uncomfortable or didn't have the best eyesight. It, nobody was complaining. I didn't have a single person complain about anything uh, that whole two months at any show. And I feel like before the pandemic, man, comedy fans in general were starting to get a little snobby, man, because Netflix and YouTube and podcasts, everyone thinks they're an expert, right? Yeah. So, so they're, they're a little, and they probably are, they probably know more about, you know, some, some comics material or, you know, yeah. uh, what they're about than I do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so they, they, I feel like they're getting a little jaded, man, you know, they go out to a show like, you know, like the one we did together at Poncho's and just be like, uh, Oh, but so last time I was here, so-and-so famous guy was here and he's not here this time or whatever. Whereas now I, I noticed like the barbecue tour, especially people are like, Hey man, we're just grateful to be here. Love hearing you work out the new stuff. It doesn't matter if it's not perfect yet, you know? So I hope that carries on, man. I hope that it was a good, like, refresh for everybody. Dude, yeah, for sure. I definitely feel like that, that as well. Especially since comedy was sort of having, like, a quite like a second kind of resurgent, like, pre-pandemic. Because, you know, like, because of the podcast world, like, I think really elevated a lot of uh, comedians into, like, really more household names. Obviously, like, Joe Rogan, Bert, all those guys kind yeah. of doing that. So it's it's really interesting to see how uh now that if it gets taken away and it comes back people can kind of realize like oh this isn't something that you know just could be around forever it's something that sort of can be dynamic and change like from time to time yeah totally totally uh, that's cool man so what tell me more about the me tour that's pretty awesome did you just 
I mean, obviously it goes hand in hand what you do. Did you bring your smokers along with you or did you get to like <laughs> learn some uh, tricks of the trade from some barbecue chefs you get to go back in the kitchens? All of the above, man. Yeah, I, oh, I brought nice. I got a travel trailer and I wrapped it with my my picture on the side, holding up oh, a couple of beef awesome. ribs. And, that uh, looks so awesome. And I, I brought my little travel smoker with me, but I didn't use it very often. I was mostly just, uh, you know, at the barbecue restaurants and they have big smokers there. Yeah. So um, I'd roll into a town and uh, plug my uh, trailer up to the barbecue restaurant and uh, just kind of set up the show. You know, we brought like a step and repeat and PA system and lights That's with nice. us. So we'd figure out where we wanted to set it up, make it look cool. And then, uh, you know, people prepaid for tickets and they'd show up early and, and we'd all eat a, a barbecue plate together. We'd mingle and talk about the barbecue and hang out. And then I do uh, then I do an hour of comedy, like working out my, my hour, figuring out what what I want to keep in there from before the pandemic, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, new stuff I've got. I'm trying to work out moving forward. So I'm trying to make it all work together. And then after my set. I'd call the pit master or the restaurant owner up and we would do a Q and a, like a live version of my podcast, basically oh, but with, with audience interaction and they could ask questions. And sometimes those went on for over an hour and I'm like, guys, we got to wrap it up here. Man. People <laughs> want to get some sleep. Time. So then, uh, you know, after all that, it was usually like, you know, a real feel good kind of night, you know, people were, were grateful, like I said, and what was kind of cool too, man, is a lot of the pit masters and restaurants, like, it was an opportunity for them to on a microphone say to their patrons like, Hey man, thank you guys for supporting us during the pandemic and keeping us open and, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, let's drink some beers and hang out and celebrate. Yeah. So we, you know, the, the nights that I could stay at the barbecue restaurant were the best because then I could drink beers and hang out with the people until they had to go. We can take our time breaking down. And then yeah. the, and then the, the 2 AM like pit master night watch guy would come on and then I'd, still be in a lawn chair smoking a cigar out in front of the trailer and i'd go over and be like hey man i'm dave i did a show tonight he's like i know you are man i'm like show me about the smokers and then i'd be out there cooking and then 8 a.m the next morning i'd get up to go take a leak in the barbecue restaurant and the morning shifts <laughs> on and they're and they're chopping sides and making the sides prepping everything for the day and i'm brushing my teeth in the kitchen you know so <laughs> it was like i was living in a barbecue restaurant man it was the that's best. awesome yeah. that's a cool that's gotta be the coolest life probably to ever live right there I gotta tell you. Just, the <laughs> then, beef ribs go well. I'm a, I, beef ribs are like my, my top go-to man but that's awesome because it's like almost like a uh it, it, it's that's like essential work in its own self because it's sort of like a rising tide you know, raises all ship situation. You know, you're coming in, bringing people, the, the audience, like helping with the food and everything. And then you get to do stand up while they get to like continue to like run their business. It's a really cool sort of symbiotic yeah. relationship. Yeah. Like, and and, and it was kind of, yeah, definitely the whole tour was like a proof of concept. So now I don't know if I'll go do an aggressive, you know, not see my family for two months kind of tour <laughs> quite like that, but yeah. I can go, do, I can go do a week in Texas or go do a week in Florida or, you know, a weekend in, California, and I've kind of proved. Hey, what's up, Fisher? How are you, buddy? <laughs> that's that's Fisher. That's the main hey, man Fisher, in the neighborhood. <laughs> hey, buddy. That's cool. Yeah, it's like you've got almost like have like you're really cornering the meat market. That's smart. Yeah. Like, who I doesn't mean, love meat? Like just the vegans are the only ones you won't get. But I mean, it's not <laughs> too much of a percentage. Yeah, you know, man. The thing with vegans are like at least in LA. I remember back in the day where people used to, you know, PETA used to throw like uh, red paint on people that would wear fur. You know, I, I don't think the vegans necessarily, um, you know, uh, I don't know if there's a lot of like hate for people that enjoy. Like, I think they understand why you enjoy, yeah. it, you know, yeah. it's just not 
what makes them feel good about themselves. So, you know, sure. and, and to each his own, you know? Definitely, definitely. Well, I can't, yeah, I mean, that's so, just good food and comedy is such a good combo. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's like, do, do you know who Action Bronson is? Let's say again? Action Bronson? I feel like I should. That sounds really yeah, familiar. Yeah, I probably recognize him if you saw him, but uh, he's, uh, he's like a rapper. He's also like a chef. And he does mm. a lot of his rap shows. He cooks for everybody before he, like, does the big shows. He's, like, really big. And, okay. uh, yeah, I always loved that. Like, thought it was super unique because it was, like, part of, like, his identity was being able to, like, he was always, say, serve people for with food and then his music as well. And, I mean, it's such a, it's such a cool combo. Yeah, man. Like, you mentioned earlier, dude. So, I love barbecue. I love being a dad. I love um, comedy. And I love water polo, right? So, anytime I get to combine any of those things together <laughs> – I'm just like in heaven, man. Like, yeah, you know, so my, my, my son did a water polo uh, camp over the summer. And on the last day I told the coach, um, Hey man, I'm going to cook for all the campers. And I showed up and when they finished the water polo camp, they got to come out and make themselves a big That's pulled awesome. pork sandwich and get pork ribs and whatever. So like anytime I can combine or when I go touring with Bert and I bring the travel smoker and I get to cook while we're on the road and kind of, you know, like do that, you know, use my talent to like, do that for for all the guys on the tour with us it's i just love it man i love whenever i get to combine the worlds you know that's awesome that's cool uh you coach water polo me i saw i have two brothers me and my oldest brother played football both in high school and in college my other brother did um high school and water uh college water polo nice. and like i would always tell him too i was like dude i'm not tough enough to play water polo man because dude that is a crazy sport so yeah. uh how, how, how do you like uh did you get into coaching because of your son, or did you play uh, back in the day? Uh, I know you probably still get in the water, you know, uh, look at the, with those straps that I see right there. It's awesome <laughs> people up. But uh, <laughs> how's that? And then, like, uh, you, what about your um, your players? Do you think it's cool that you also do stand-up and, like, going on tour or something? Like, that's got to be really awesome for them to have, like, a coach like that. Yeah, it's funny, man. I um, So, yeah, I, I played uh, – I. I started playing like later in high school, actually. I played every sport for like a year or two. You know, I was, yeah. I, I was wrestling and, and football and basketball and golf. And, you know, I did everything like, you know, but I never really stuck with anything or committed anything until I found water polo. And I go, oh, I love this. this is, I was passionate. So awesome. I didn't really like explore going and, and playing like, you know, a real collegiate water polo. But I, I went to Auburn University and we had a pretty organized club team. So it was kind of cool. You could take it as serious as you want. And so I got really involved in, you know, uh, organizing the Southeast teams into a proper conference and, you know, really, really got competitive with it. I, I learned a lot of life lessons through water polo in college. And any, crazy, uh, any crazy fights in the water at all? Because it gets intense oh, in there. Man, yeah, dude. The worst was uh, we were playing this team from uh, Annapolis. It was a bunch of, like, military guys you know oh, and uh you know real jacked in shape guy yeah. and so so my teammates kept giving me bad i was a whole set in the center right so my teammates kept giving me bad passes which would allow these dudes to like pound on me it's kind of like a wide receiver going across the middle and the quarterback hangs him out the drive i throw in a high pass you know like a longest yard situation yeah man yeah. so i was getting so frustrated because i was getting the shit beat out of me and then i was getting countered down the pool so at one point this dude uh you know, bad pass. I get hammered. He goes to counter me and I got sick of it. So I grab suit, right? Cause you know, you can get away a little bit from grabbing suit. So I grab suit so that I can, you know, uh, catch up and then swim down the pool with him. Well, when I grabbed his suit, I accidentally grabbed a handful of pubes, right? <laughs> so, so I rip a bunch of this dude's pubes out by accident. And I, I hear him underwater go, <laughs> 
So I pop my head up and I'm waiting for the fist to hit my face, right? And I yeah. come up and I'm like, yes, and nothing happens. And I look at him and he's just looking at me like this. And he goes, he looks at the side of my cap and he goes, number eight. And he swims away. And I go, <laughs> what's he going to do? Right? <laughs> That's a way so, worse. That's way worse than getting punched in the face. Yeah. So then the rest of the game, he just kept switching on to me, and anytime he got a chance, he just gave me like a, Ugh, you know, or he'd be oh. swimming and he just drop a bow, just things he wouldn't get caught for, but just chipped away. So finally, like man, like uh, like you know, later in the game, I I looked at him like during dead time, and I was like, hey man, I didn't mean to do that, bro. And he goes, okay, cool, apology accepted. And I'm like, well, oh, I hope wow. so. You, you've got me back tenfold by now, you know? Yeah. He's still plotting to this day. He's in some military base out in some yeah. undisclosed location. He's, he's got like a handful of his own pubes, and he just has your name on a whiteboard. And he's, you know, <laughs> he's probably telling the story on a live stream right now about yeah, shit yeah, right. some guy. That's so cool, man. Yeah, the water polo is brutal. And the amount of, like, physical uh, conditioning you need and everything just to be able to stay afloat is – is like insane but it's i wish it was like because how many like not a lot of states do it right it's mostly states with like good weather yeah i mean california is the mecca man this it's it's as yeah. big as it's as big as high school football out here it's crazy oh, right yeah for um sure. but yeah i grew up in florida and, and they have pretty good polo there and the uh, northeast and texas is really big now and utah actually is coming up but oh, wow. um to answer your question too, man. So then after college, I just, um, yeah, I, I always kind of stayed involved through masters water polo and just playing for fun. Um, but a buddy of mine recruited me to help him coach. And I just fell in love with coaching. I never thought I would want to be a coach, but you know, you see the impact you can have on kids' lives and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun to win games. And, and, you know, we won a bunch of state championships when I was coaching with him down in Florida and that was really fun. But you know, when I went on this meet tour, for example, and I'm doing this like really, you know, risky thing, this real grassroots thing. I'll tell you the people who came through for me the most was I would say every, almost every single city, I had at least one audience member was, that was somebody I coached or coached, you know, against or with um, over the past 20 years. And they brought a table of friends out with them, you know? So the, the relationships run deep when you share those kind of memories with people, you know, for you know sure. kids, Kids who I remember meeting them when they were in eighth and ninth grade, you know, and I was in my 20s just learning how to coach. Now they're, uh, you know, grown up and have kids and families of their own, and they're bringing a whole table of people out to see me at a show. So it's, it, you know, you, you don't make a lot of money for coaching, but the you, you are rewarded handsomely for it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's well-deserved because I, I've never gotten to coach that much. Like once I graduated from um, college football, some of my uh, college coaches wanted me to like stay on staff and like get into coaching, but I just wanted to pursue like other passions. But yeah. I'll tell you what, like more than anything, besides like I'd say like my own parents, like the coach, some of the coaches that I had in my life have influenced and shaped me more than anyone else in the entire world. Like to things I can never pay them back with. So that's really cool that you can have that sort of relationship with a coach that even like supersedes uh, even like a like a. Um, like a formal relationship that you have forever, but you have like basically a part of them and what they've instilled <laughs> in you, like for whatever you do for the rest of your life, you know? Totally, man. And, you know, also you brought this up. It is getting harder and harder though to, I do try to keep, you know, the comedy stuff and yeah, and, the, and the kids I coach, I try to keep it separate, right? Um, but it's harder and harder because, you know, now these kids are on Instagram and like I pop up as a suggested friend yeah. or, or they just know, you know, like – it was funny for years and years, they never thought to go look me up on, you know, YouTube or something until it was like they were seniors and 
you know, they knew me well, so you could handle it, you know? Uh, and, and I'm not like a dirty comic or anything anyways. There's not really much out there that I'm like worried about them seeing, but yeah. it's still like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's better. It's better to keep it separate. You, you, know, sure. you, you want them to see you as, you know, the, the coach, you don't want them to see you as, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, other stuff or whatever. Yeah. So. You got to roll with an iron fist with those guys. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, yeah, fun. it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, because, it's funny, uh, it's yeah, getting harder. To have it dabble into there. But I'm sure you get some good material out of it sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, some of my coaches did the funniest things. I remember my high school football coach, uh, he would say some of the most wild shit. Uh, and uh, one year we had a, a deaf kid on our football team. And uh, he was a freshman. We were seniors. And we had they had to legally have an interpreter out there. And yeah. she had to interpret everything the coaches would say. <laughs> and we had an offensive line coach. Who was probably like five four, you know, uh, Mr. Miyagi looking mustache, intense as hell, broad his shoulders, and he would just say like the funniest thing I ever saw him say. We got to the point where he would say so many funny things and just <laughs> in complete rage, and we would know that the interpreter would have to interpret it. So and she'd all look at him real fast. Yeah, we'd look at her as soon as he would say something. So he'd be like, "This, you gotta do this like a jaw, like a donkey jacket off." And so we'd say, and we look over at the girls and be like. <laughs> it's so funny dude. oh man we would have had so much fun with that oh yeah the possibilities were endless. <laughs> that's cool that uh yeah passion's great so um so that was sort of your uh water polo origin story can you kind of tell me about your comedy origin story what made you want to get into doing stand-up uh what like your first open mic you ever did and then how it kind of just went on a trajectory to what you're doing now oh man dude i uh I, I always was into being creative and I always knew I would love to be in the entertainment industry, but I had no idea. I didn't know this was a job. I had no clue. I, I loved Saturday Night Live as a kid, man. Dana Carvey was on it and stuff. That was like the heyday for me. So I used to see, not only did I like watching it, but I used to watch my parents laugh. And anybody who could make my parents laugh, it was like, that was so powerful to me, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. So, so I, uh, I, I, I was a freelance writer for uh, some uh, a student magazine in college, and, and I liked being funny when I did it. And I was definitely the I was definitely like the funny guy in my group. I'd always like to hold court and crack jokes for yeah. parties, and you know, like I was gonna win the co the costume contest every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween, right? You know? Yeah. So then uh, I chased my wife up to Charlotte, North Carolina, after I graduated college. She had already graduated and taken a job up there. So I went up there and she's like, I heard about this place. I think you'll really like it. I'm going to take you for a date. I go, okay. So it was a sketch comedy club called The Perch in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was really cool. They, they do sketches just like Saturday Live, maybe a couple um, uh, parody songs. And there was a live band that jammed in between uh, the sketches. And it was really cool. I had like a little underground following. It had already been around for quite a few years. So... So it, it, I, I tried out for it. I asked, oh, I asked the man, man, can I, I, I had a blast watching your show and I, can I write sketches for you? I think I'd really like to write sketches. And they were like, oh, we write our own stuff. You have to just try out for the group. And I'm like, well, I'm not really a performer, but I'll, I'll try. So I tried <laughs> out and, uh, and I got in and uh, I think, I, I don't know why they let me in. Cause there was like these other two dudes who were auditioning with me and they seemed like they were way funnier, but for whatever reason they liked me. And, um, and I got in and those guys didn't. And, uh, Dang. and I, I, I just, I really fell in love with it, man. For two years, I, I just would write sketches and, and you could, it would go, you do the same show two weekends in a row. Right. 
So I never wanted to take a weekend off because I wanted to like be in the, you know, about the only thing I would take a weekend off for was like a water polo tournament. <laughs> um, so, so I just really got a real crash course in comedy over that two years. And uh, it was almost like we were kind of like um, locally famous too, because so many people came out to the perch that, you know, I'd have her, we'd I'd be at lunch one day and the waitress would be like, I'm sorry, are you Speedo Dave? Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So, so that, that was my nickname, Speedo Dave, because Speedo I'd Dave. always, I'd always write myself wearing a Speedo into every sketch. So Nice. Uh, you got um, a lot of those on on uh, on tap, I'm assuming as well. You know? <laughs> yeah. So so I, I fell in love doing that, and then um, the main guy, Sean, who's a very talented dude, still works in the entertainment industry now. He would do stand up at the beginning uh, to kind of like tell them the rules of the night and to warm them up, and then we'd go into the sketch. So he'd always do the same jokes for like years, right? So I asked him one time, I go, hey, man, can I try that sometime? And he goes, please. He's like, be my <laughs> guest. So, uh, so I, I did. I went out and I bombed, right? Um, I, I only I got one laugh. I got one laugh. And it was, uh, I still remember it. It was a joke about chicken wings and how I love chicken wings. And I go, uh, how ridiculous it, is, ridiculous it is that that's the food that dudes like because it's like, you know, we're going to go out and have a boys night and nothing makes me feel more like a jut jawed, all American, badass son of a bitch, like eating little baby chicken parts. <laughs> and then I do the act out of eating the wings like, yeah. dude, this waitress totally wants to bang me, bro. <laughs> and I when I did, <laughs> yeah, when I did the, when I did the act out, the band was laughing and I, and I go, oh my God, I got to laugh. Like, nice. you know, so that was the, the carrot, you know, that I kept chasing yeah. So then when I moved back to Miami, I convinced my wife to marry me. And we moved back to Miami because I wasn't going to business with my dad. And uh, and there wasn't anything like that down there. So I go, I think I need to just keep leaning into um, into stand-up. So I, I would uh, make sure Wednesday, you know, uh, we were in the car business. And you would always have one random day off. So, you know, because you work weekends. So I would take Wednesday off because that's when the Miami open mic was. Uh, so I'd go do open mics on Wednesday nights. And uh and then, you know, they, they tried to hire me to uh, start emceeing at the improvs in South Florida. And I was like, man, I only get one weekend a, a month off, you know. And, and so I, that one weekend, I could emcee. So I would uh, I'd emcee once a month. And then when I switched to the service department, because I went through all the departments, the service department is more of a, like, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. job. I called up the owner of the improvs, and I go, load me up. I'm ready to work <laughs> every weekend. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I really got into it after that. That's so cool. Uh, dang, that's awesome. Was it kind of so? Were you only able early on to do like one open mic a week, uh, like when you were working as like a car salesman? Do you feel like that was were you trying were you trying to get it more on stage, or like how do you think that was like helping with like your development, like as a comic and everything, or were you, you know, picking it up pretty naturally? It was kind of normal because there wasn't a much of a scene down there back then. Mm, yeah, uh, it's and, interesting and, to hear about like because now and, and, it seems like. Any type of coffee shop or like bar, you yeah. have something in a lot of cities. But well, social media changed it a lot because social media allowed people to promote alt shows. You know, mm -hmm. so so back then, like you had to do it at a comedy club. The comedy club was the only place that knew how to bring in a crowd to see mm -hmm. open micers do comedy. You know, <laughs> yeah. so um, you know there was one bar that me and Four Shaw and a couple other local Miami comics started running a bar show. And then other than that, there wasn't much in those early days. Now there's a ton of great shows around Miami, great comedy producers, comedy clubs everywhere. But yeah, you, you would literally, if you got up once or twice a month, like you were doing well, <laughs> like wow. back then it was like, Hey man, you're really hustling. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. You know, 
what was cool is since I had already done two years of sketch comedy, like hard, like going at it, I was already very comfortable on stage. Mm. So that really, that really helped out, yeah, you know, like, I, I think a lot of guys, it was tough because they'd go up once and then they didn't get on stage again for like two weeks. And so they'd have to like, um, you know, they'd have to, uh, um, you know, like, like, like get re reacquainted with being on stage where I was very comfortable on stage because I spent so much time uh, doing sketch comedy and sketch comedy. You have a little bit of a safety net built in because you have yeah. other actors on stage with you. You have, you know, scripts and props and things you could fall back on, you know. For sure. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, what was uh, one of the worst bombs that you can remember? Uh, I'm sure you have like a good one, yeah? Oh, man, probably. Uh, well, it's funny. You, you made a comment when you were introducing me about uh, worldwide. And uh, I've done. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so I've done a lot of shows in Canada. I've done a lot of shows in the States, obviously. And I've done a lot of shows in the Caribbean, actually, because living in Miami, there was a few opportunities uh -huh. to go do so. So one show I remember particularly was uh, in Grand Cayman and they were going to try out comedy. And so this booker sent the, me and this other guy down there and uh, they had just had a shooting on the island oh, and, and, and there's like no guns on, on the island. So it was like a big deal. Like you're not allowed to have guns on the island. So it was a big deal. So there was like a military presence like everywhere you went. And so, that no one left, was leaving their house. It was like terrifying for them. So there was like nobody at this show. And then they set us up on the dance floor. And then uh, like the people were, were up higher. So they were looking down on us, right? So we didn't even have any control of the people that were there. And then there was a DJ and the DJ thought like that he was helping us. So like you do a joke and then he'd do like a record scratch, like chicka, 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 you know, on the punchline. <laughs> Or, or yeah, like, sound, like I did a joke about like video games and then he played like the Pac-Man, like waka, 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 you know, like he, he was like helping out. I was like, Hey man, I, you're not, you're not making it better, bro. You know, <laughs> he's adding sound effects mid set. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. And then, so I also, I worked cruise ship for a little bit. Speaking of the Caribbean. Oh, that's cool. And, and my very first time working a cruise ship, it was one of the big world Caribbean ships. And so you do the comedy club, the first, I did 17 shows in seven nights. You're doing two or three shows every night yeah. for seven days, right? So, so you're doing the, the cruise, the, the comedy club, and you could do whatever material you want. You can mix and match. So I'm trying to figure out what works on cruise ships and what doesn't. So I'm, I'm doing all my material that I've ever written, right? Trying different things. It's going fine. And then like three or four days in, they tell me like, oh yeah, on the last night, you have to do a set in the theater and it's got to be kid friendly because people might bring their kids and it can't be anything you've done, you know, so far this week, it's got to be stuff you haven't done. And I go, well, you should have told me that because I've been doing like all my material. I would have held stuff back, you know? Yeah. And so now I got to figure out what I have left that I haven't done that I could do on the last night. That's appropriate for kids. So I go, all right, I have this one joke that when they looked at my audition tape, they told me not to do on the ship. Right. But I go, maybe I can cut that joke in half and modify it and clean it up. And I think it'll be fine. So I come out, I'm nervous, right? I do my first joke and my first joke gets a laugh. So then I calm down and everything's fine, right? And then I go, I'm like, I'm gonna get that other joke out of the way before I forget how I'm gonna do it, right? So I go into it. And as I go into it, this waiter comes running up to the front of the stage. And you know, this is a big theater, like where they would do like, you know, the plays and stuff, you know, like <laughs> yeah. big, beautiful theater. So this waiter comes running up to the front and he goes, Shh. He starts shushing me. And now I'm thinking, 
it makes no sense, but I'm thinking like, oh man, maybe he like knows I'm not supposed to do that joke and the cruise director's watching and I'm going to get fired or, you know, yeah. so, so this guy's like waving at me and I'm like trying to like change the joke. And then finally I'm like, I, I was so dis distracted. I was like, Hey man, I gotta, uh, I go, excuse me, everybody. I'm sorry. And I walk over to the, and I lean down to the waiter and I go, what? And he goes, listen. I thought he was going to tell me the, the boat sinking or something or like, talking about a heart attack. Like, you know, I thought it was going to be some big announcement. Right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, what is it, bro? You know? And everyone's like, got oh, pins and needles. And so he whispers to me. He goes, listen, he holds up a cruise card. He goes, this guy, I can't remember where he's sitting and I can't remember what he ordered. Can you make an announcement? <laughs> No way that happened. Uh, uh, I'm like, and so, like, they can hear what I'm saying, but they can't hear what he's saying. And I go, are you serious? I go, you want me to say that to these people? And people are like, oh, my God, what is it? What is, now they're worried, right? Yeah. And I, and I go, ladies and gentlemen, we have – this is very – this is worth interrupting my show for. And, uh, and, I go, and then I go, you know what? I can't even do it. You say it. And I hand him the mic, and then he goes, and he goes, Mr. Dennis Johnson, I can't remember what you ordered. I can't remember where you're sitting. <laughs> and the whole place erupts in laughter, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I take the mic back, and I'm like, uh, where are you at, Dennis? I go, you better order something good to interrupt my show for. It better not be like a glass of, uh, you know, sparkling water or something, you know? <laughs> and uh, But you know what? The guy did me a favor because I sat there and railed on him for 10 minutes, and nice. it ate up a good good chunk of my set. So yeah. the guy probably actually ended up saving me. That's amazing, dude. That's incredible. Well, that's so cool. Uh, that's one thing that's kind of fun about comedy is you can go in with the expectations for a certain set, but some weird thing could happen that could totally make you go off a complete tangent. And you're almost like, thank you. Like, or like you get like bonus jokes from like off the cuff reactions or something. You're like, oh, this is awesome. I don't have to do anything I was planning. Dude, one of my best jokes right now is uh, – before the pandemic, I was at the Comedy and Magic Club, and I was trying to do a really tight five-minute TV set because uh, I wanted to submit it around, right? So I, and Comedy and Magic Club is a great place to do that. So I'm all excited. I got a set there, so I go out and run the set. So I come out. My opening line is, I'm a dad, if you couldn't tell from my – and this lady, this drunk lady, I was like, dad, dad, dad. I was going to say here. So I had a whole interaction with her, right? Yeah. And so – I, I told that I was so upset about it. I told that story on stage the next night about this lady and that. And I went into a rift about dad bods and the, how stupid that phrase is. And so now that's a bit I do in my, in my wow. show. So I was upset. She upset my show, but honestly she gave me material that now is a really strong bit for me, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so much fun when like the writing on stage really pays off. Cause you almost, it almost feels like a cheat code sometimes. You're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally meant to say that. The, the things that you, that you can sit down at your computer screen and go, I'm going to write jokes today. All right. Uh, go. And you might come up with something, but it's probably going to be something that other people are writing too, because they, uh, they, they're sitting at their computer thinking, what's in the news? What's uh, airplane food? You know, like things that normally, but when you're just out in the world and something happens to you, that's yeah. unique. That's not, that didn't happen to other people. So that's the best material where you're like, oh, this was a funny circumstance. How could I turn that into a bit? Right. Yeah, that's cool. So what is, is that, what is your writing process sort of like? Do you uh, like to have a physical like notebook you write in or do you use uh, either type on the computer? Or is it like you try to just find things that are, 
funny like in life experiences like how do you really kind of develop your jokes and then work them into your act well when i first started and for the first several years i was very meticulous about a notebook and writing jokes out and yeah. practicing them and timing them because you don't have uh, you don't get stage time often enough to really you know um and and, and you know you, you have to have that preparation to have a comfort level on stage now you know i'm lucky enough that yeah. i pop you know that's why we live in la too so you could do a show every night you know and um and and i do a lot of writing on stage so i'll just write down a premise more or less you know and then and gotcha. i'll go on stage i'll go on stage and, and, and try to work it out and then if it doesn't go well i just jump in with a joke that's proven and i get the audience back and then i you know and 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 you know we have the luxury of, of doing that at this point yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm still in sort of like that. Um, I'm sort of still in that uh, in between between like getting some shows and then still kind of happen to run the open mic circuit as well. Like sort of yeah. that, like making the leap. So uh, <clears throat> it's definitely uh, it's cool to kind of see how you can go from meticulously writing everything out, and, like being so consciously aware of it. And then, but once you start to get like the better crowds at like real shows, it really helps you realize that you can do material more um, like more just as your authentic self and having to like really be like constrained to like a time and like trying to really work out the bit, you know? Well, honestly too, man, like the, these days, um, you know, you, you don't want to be the guy, if you, like if you're a one-liner comic, you don't want to be the guy running one-liners like uh, yeah. on your buddies, you know? But, um, but with stories or just premises, like you could work them into conversations and see if they get a reaction. Or when you're doing live streams or podcasts like this, you could throw a story in there and then be like, like I have this story right now about going to the Olympics and um, in in uh, 1996, right? It's like you know one of my best bits right now. And yeah. during I heard the that, that was freaking amazing. Yeah. So that's an old story from 1996, literally old story. I never thought to put it on stage, and then I told it on a podcast, and then I got so many messages about that story. People were like, "Oh, dude, I was cracking up listening to that, whatever." So then I go, "Man, I wonder if that could be a bit." So then I just started telling that story on podcasts a lot. And then wow. I started working it out on podcasts and then I put it on stage. I started doing it on stage, you know? Wow. So there's multiple different ways that you can work out some material. It doesn't just have to be on stage. You can be yeah. like at a bar on a show or something. Wow. That's great. That's yeah. Especially, especially these days, man, with social media, there's so many, yeah. so, so many uh, platforms, you know, for sure. Yeah. So see <clears throat> for my situation, it's a little interesting. I'm, like heavily involved within like the influencer YouTube world. So I feel like I have been like developing some bits that I think about for these guys that want to make um, a skit in their YouTube channel or like on a TikTok. And it sort of stems from <clears throat> the same type of writing as a, uh, like a stand up bit. And I kind of see if it visually like makes someone laugh then I could probably reverse engineer it to like coming on stage as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. You have any uh, other type of advice for like, um, I'm about like four years in for like newer comics, young comics, just in this day and age, I feel like it's getting a little more saturated. Everyone's trying to jump in. Uh, like what, what would you say to like your younger self for like some new comics really uh, trying to get into the game and get to the, the level of professionalism and meet God prowess as yourself? Uh, well, I mean, I, I would just say the thing that I think you're doing the best, man, is like when I met you at that show, you know, you're, you're very, you know, um, you're doing well with like the comedy and like you killed on stage that night and everything but you were humble about it, you know? And I think, I think when you like are a kind of guy who knows how to hang with comics and knows how to like, you know, be humble, not, not try to impress everyone with name dropping and dominating conversation. Like just be someone that's, you know, cool to be around. You know, it's like being yeah. coachable. Your, your athletics probably helped you with that. Like you, you learned how yeah. to be coachable. You learned how to, 
work within a team, you know, like um, you don't have like in- insecurities that make you be like, Hey, I scored six touchdowns yesterday. You know, like, Hey, we saw it. We know you, we know you're good, man. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't, you don't have to yell at your teammate that made a mistake to make yourself look good. You just go out and make a good play, you know? Sure. Um, so I think that's the best thing, man, especially living in a city like LA, because if you were, if like, if you were, a, it doesn't matter how funny you were, if you were a jerk that night, I wouldn't have said yes to coming on your live stream, you know, and people wouldn't want you on their shows, but you know, I meet a, a guy like you who's hustling and you're four years in, but you're like polished. And I'd be like, Hey man, I, I want to help that guy. What show can I help him get on? Or let me, if I produce the show, man, he should come do my show. You know, I, I think that's the best thing you can do, man, is, is just keep, you, you already know the answer for, for the material. You just write, 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 write. Don't be afraid to try new stuff, you know, throw it out on stage. And then, you know, the, the networking is the a big piece of the pie and yeah. doing content like this is huge, man. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And it's so cool to uh, kind of see it from that angle as well. Because like you said, like, I feel like uh, a good strength that I have is like that I learned from sports is like being coachable. And something that I've loved more than anything from being on these shows and like growing more in comedy is be able to meet like guys like you and like other people who just crush and have that professionalism. And like, all I want to do is just learn and just like hang out and like be one of the guys with one. And it's just like one of the most surreal experiences. And it's almost like, uh, I view like comics like you and other people that I see as like coaches, you know what I mean? In, in its own sense, because that's just kind of all I've ever known in order to succeed is like to take that wisdom and take the positive, uh, you know, reinforcement and just all the lessons. It's like, why, like, why, why try to be, you know, cocky or like try to think that I can do it my own way. It's like you have other people that you like hugely respect doing stuff on stage and you see them killing it and doing all these things that you dream of. Like, obviously, they're going to have, like, amazing wisdom. And they're just going to be, like, that's the cool thing about it. Like, so, sometimes in the open mic scene, the other comics are, like, kind of competitive. And they don't really want to hang out with you. It's a little clicky. But I, well, I, I feel like there's, after, like, a certain experience level, when you meet, like, comics like yourself and other people that I've met at shows, it's, like, they just genuinely want to help you. And they just love comedy. They want to just be a good person. They want to, like, give back. And that's, like, one of the most amazing things I, I've experienced so far. You know, there comes a point. I mean, obviously, stage time is the most valuable thing is getting up, getting up, getting up. But there's going to come a point, and you'll know when it is, I think, where you're going to – your night's going to be better served to go hang out at the comedy store, hang out at the improv, and watch good comedy and chat with good comedians versus go and doing a set at a shitty open mic where your your soul is sucked. And everyone's doing the same material they've done a thousand times. And the lines they're giving you aren't even good lines, you know? You're, 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 I, I, I found that out when I moved out here. I moved out here and I went and did a couple mics, you know, because I didn't really know anyone, you know. Uh, I didn't know all the shows yet and everything, right? So I didn't know which shows were good and which were bad. So I go, man, I almost would I, – I didn't need – I mean, I was doing a lot of comedy on the road at the time, so I didn't really need to go work the same bits over and over. So I was like – it was better for me to just go hang out at the bar at the improv and like be around guys who are like-minded and, and, um, and, and, and kind of just talk shop, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's another advantage of being in LA too, is um, you can watch good comedy any night you want, you, you know, that's everywhere. And um, also when you do a set, like at a place like Poncho's or whatever, there's great comics here that can give you lines, you know, like you were talking about being coachable. Dude, man, that's that's the best a, a, a comic hears you say it and they go, hey man have you thought about it from this angle or hey maybe you flip that and you're like man i hadn't thought of that dude i mean you're yeah. not going to take every suggestion you know you still want to be your voice but and man to get that perspective from and, and any comic out here who's worth a damn would be willing to 
dying to tell you their opinion on, on a certain bit, you know? For sure, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's already happened to me before, and it worked out perfectly. So now I take suggestions I get, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll for sure listen to that. That's, that's so cool. All right, well, we're, um, we're the time is winding down. We're basically at an hour right now. Um, I feel like we could, I could talk to you for four hours. Hey, we'll do it again. We'll have to do another episode in the future. But uh, I just want to thank you. You're one of the funniest guys I've ever seen live. You were so cool. Uh, you know, you got even though you were uh, kind of big timing us with your own little table at Poncho's with the salsa ah. and your own your own, <laughs> your own uh, service. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, you know, I still forgive you. Uh, <laughs> oh, you got to tell people the context of that though. That was so <laughs> I, I ordered uh, chips and salsa and guacamole, and then I went up and I did my set. And when I got off the stage and I walked down to where the comics hang out, I guess my food had just come up, and so it was. It what it looked like happened was I crushed so hard on stage that they were rewarding me with my own table and a tablecloth and putting the, yeah, the, and the, all the other, tablecloth was the real picture yeah, of the guy yeah. all the other comics were like oh my god oh, excuse us I go, no i ordered i'm paying for it guys yeah in all seriousness uh one of the funniest guys it means a lot that you would take the time to come on here um you know basically my coach now my comedy coach uh and uh just Honored. you know get back and uh it, it means the world to me you're such an interesting guy uh, and uh, I'd wish nothing for the best for you. Um, uh, for anybody watching right now, and a lot of people watch it after it's posted here and on YouTube, let them know what you got going on. Obviously, social media handles, any other uh, shows coming up, tours, whatnot, um, let them know. Yeah, man. Uh, social media, at Dave W Comedy uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Follow this and man. Do it, do it. And uh, I'm launching a new – I have a YouTube channel, but I'm launching a new YouTube channel this week which will be called Meet Dave, which is named after my podcast. There's the sign right there. Oh, man. Uh, oh, actually, wait, here. Here's the koozie. Meet Dave. Ooh. Um, so, He's got uh, the koozie. It's official. It's like being Facebook yeah. official once you got the koozie. <laughs> That's right, man. So, uh, you know, please uh, subscribe to my uh, YouTube channel once it's launched this week. Um, my website is DaveWilliamsonComedy.com. You can buy my all-purpose rub there. I have my own barbecue rub. Ooh, okay, I'm going to have to actually invest in that for sure. Yeah, dude. You can order that on Any my website. Any Sour Patch Kids in there? I, I saw that <laughs> video. <laughs> no, not on this, but that's a good video for people. I'll be re I'll be re-upping that video on my YouTube channel when it launches so people can yeah, see should, that. I, honestly, um, we should talk after this about maybe a potential collab too because with the guys I have in YouTube, they're always looking for content like that. So that can yeah, be really the YouTube world. I'm yeah, in it. But, uh, I'm in. Anything else? Yeah. And, yeah, I, uh, I'll be headlining uh, the Comedy Key West at the end of September if you live in South Florida. And I will be opening for Burt Kreischer uh, as, as well as Mark Norman uh, at Red Rocks on September 8th in Colorado. Really excited about that. And then uh, I think I got a bunch of dates with Burt coming up uh, starting in October. So. Nothing else to say off that. The man is an absolute legend, you guys. Um, if you're not following him, what's wrong with you? Follow this man. Everything YouTube. Uh, Dave, I appreciate it so much. Uh, true honor to have you on. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll be seeing you around. And I just really appreciate your time, man. This was a blast. You got it, Bobby. Come over for barbecue sometime. <laughs> yes, for sure. I'm, I'm going to need one of those beef ribs. Done, bro. Done. Okay, take care. And good luck with the season. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Wow. Wow. That was freaking awesome, you guys. I love – I know I get a lot of different kind of guests, influencers mainly, but I love, love, love having comedians on here. Like, there's something about stand-up comedians where it's like we're almost like one and the same, like kindred spirits. And it's it's just – it's like a relationship that you can't describe. Someone that you meet for the first time. Oh, I met Dave once. 
and we can have a conversation that long and get like that deep into comedy and just life. It's cause like we really understand like each other as comics and that's probably one of the most fun things about doing this whole thing. And guys, thank you for watching. Um, stay tuned for this episode coming up on YouTube and Spotify. I really appreciate you guys tuning in uh, and everybody watching after. I know it'll be fun. Uh, one more time, thank you so much to Dave, a hilarious comedian, a true inspiration. And uh, make sure you follow him, guys. I'll see you on Wednesday. We got a really special guest. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but let's say it has something to do with. Nah, I'm not even going to give you guys a hit. But <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys take care. Feel free to follow Bobby Freel every Sunday, Wednesdays. Dave, once again, thank you. And I'll see you next time. Peace.